What's up, guys? You're back with the next episode of J&G Podcast. Uh, I'm Jay over here, and that's G over there. Yo, what's good? And today, we're going to have a little bit of a hybrid episode, kind of our first hybrid, where we're going to be talking about some some basketball and football. Um, I know, personally, I'm a little bit more of a stronger football fan than I'm a basketball fan. I mean, I love both, but I know, personally, I'm a little bit more more football than basketball, but with me in the offseason, you know. How about you? Oh, yeah. I usually only really follow basketball when it's in season. Football is kind of like a year-round thing for me. Yeah. Free agency, stuff like that. Basketball is kind of just like, oh, this guy signed here. Unless there's like a big-name free agent out there that could literally go about anywhere. Definitely, yeah. I mean, like I said, I still, I still love basketball, but football is definitely my, my go-to. So I figured today – we can start with the uh, incredible scoring surge we've been kind of seeing in the NBA the past month or so. Um, so if you want to go ahead and lead off of what you got there. Uh, so I got I went on a, a website. I can't remember exactly what it was. But it had all 50-point uh, games since the new year, but we're just going to focus on March for right now. Uh, there have been eight 50-plus point games since the beginning of March and two 60-point games. And the two sixty-point games came in a day of each other. Cat did it on the fourteenth, and Kyrie did it on the fifteenth. Yep. There's also been a couple, quite a few forty-point games too. Yeah, I was just looking at fifty-point games, but there has been a good amount of forty-point games. One of them was Josh Hart. Josh Hart had like what forty-four, forty-five. It was um, something like that. It came out of nowhere. I think. It, I think that kind of shows that anybody. Oh, I don't want to say anybody. But most players in the NBA, even like your role players like Josh Hart, if they're given the opportunity to run the offense, they can score. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's I, you know I think most most players in the NBA nowadays are like you. You got to know your role, and that's how you get paid. But like like I said, Josh Hart's a perfect example. A guy that's mostly there for just kind of rebounding and hustle. Hey, in Portland, you give him the keys to the offense, he drops forty plus. You know what I mean? Not saying he's going to do that every game. But it just kind of shows that these guys are, no matter what role player you are, considered elite talents. Yeah, I mean, and Sadiq Bay dropped 51 on the 17th. Yep. And, and was, it was it, like, mainly jump shots? Yep, it was only jump shots, if I recall correctly. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, on this 50 points, 50-point uh, list for March, we got LeBron, who, who uh, got 50 on March 11th. Kyrie dropped 50 uh, points on March 8th. Sadiq Bay dropped 51 on March 17th. Kevin Durant dropped 53 on March 13th. Jason Tatum dropped 54 on March 6th. LeBron dropped 56 on March 5th. Kyrie dropped 60 on the 15th. And Carl Anthony Towns dropped 60 on March 14th. That's crazy how LeBron and Kyrie both have had multiple 50-point games this month. Yeah. Now, I, I can be um... – did Tatum have a 50 or was it a 40 point game? Tatum had a 54 point game. He did. Okay. I wasn't sure if I heard you say that name. Um, but yeah, then he's had a couple of 40s, I believe, too. He's been incredible. Uh, since the All Star break, it's just like he just flipped a different kind of switch. So did that entire Celtics team. Because I think, what was it last night? They both had him and Jalen Brown both had 30 plus. Yeah. And they beat the Nuggets by like 20. I think Brown had 32 and Tatum had 30. Hey, and then see, I don't know if you saw that Mavericks Hornets games the other night, but that that was oh, I mean, that was wild. Luca had 
37 going into the third quarter, and they were down by 20. And th- he didn't even play the fourth quarter, and the Hornets ended up winning by like 20, 30 points. Jesus. It just that Hornets team, man. I, they're, they're, they're literally like the model of consistency, too. Because, like, obviously they won that game, but they were like, what, 35 and 35, and like perfect, like same 500 record versus East versus what? It was so, it's so wild. Every, everything was just like perfect. Their home record, away record, everything yep. was literally just 500 split. Yep. Which is, you know, that team, I don't know. That I, I expected them to make a, a somewhat of a jump, but I, I think the team is playing better than I thought they were going to. Yeah, I can I can understand that. I feel like Lamelo took another step up, and I feel like the players around him kind of took another step up. I just think they need another solidified person in there to make that jump, or really good draft pick coming up here. I think the, the draft. best the best thing. Well, there's two things. So one is one thing I love about Lamelo Ball is that. I don't know. That team technically doesn't have a superstar, but I think if you look at, like, their star player, it's going to be LaMelo, just because, like, name-wise. Oh, but the yeah. thing I love about LaMelo is that he can be the star, but on on nights, if he's not having a game, he is just as happy to see his teammates doing well. You know what I mean? Like, LaMelo's the type of guy where he could have 30 points, but if you just made two straight shots, he's going to pass you the ball. You know what I mean? Like, he's not like a – like, he's he's a ball-centric guy, but he can very well play without the ball too. Like he doesn't have to have the ball to be happy. He is a very unselfish player. Yeah, it definitely. Which is, you know, that I think something that people couldn't say about him when he was younger. You know, whether or not, th- none of us personally knew him, but a lot of people said he yeah. had that kind of selfish shoot first mentality, where he seemed I, to kind of lose that. I think it kind of came with age. He got older yeah. and realized, hey, I can't be acting like this. It's going to get me in some predicaments that I don't want to be in. And I feel like it's just helped his game overall. And being unselfish like he is now, that's a very rare, in my opinion, to come across it like this early. What is he like? Twenty? He's like yeah, he's, a little, he's like literally our age. He's like twenty, twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, like it's it's very, in my opinion, it's very rare to find someone that young to have that selfless, team first mentality. Because you get a, a lot of young bucks that want to come in. There's like, yo, give me the ball. You know, I'm gonna get mine. Well, heck, I mean, it's you look at kind of refreshing. You look at Lonzo's the same way. That those two just kind of they play unselfish ball, and you know, no, no pun intended with their last name, but like they just, they, they're just yeah, they're unselfish. They move the ball if they're mm-hmm. having their hot games. They take, you know, what I mean, like they just yeah. they, they're. I mean, obviously, I think Lamelo has the higher ceiling and more star potential than Lonzo, but you know, like I said, it's just refreshing to see. I don't want to call him a superstar, but like a star level player on a team like that. He can kind of like phase, like I don't want to say phase in and out because that sounds bad, but like you know, like I said, if if somebody else is having a good game, he will let them have their good game. He doesn't have to be like, oh well, now I need to score because I'm the star. Yeah, he's playing. He's playing like like I said, a very great brand of basketball that I love seeing. Now I admit, when he was younger and he was coming up through, I didn't really like him, mm-hmm. but watching him play is kind of changing my whole thing because, like I said, you don't see a selfish player, selfless player that will pass the ball and do all these things like he is at this kind of age and like you said uh who's on who is let's just say isn't pj washington on the hornets yeah i mean they yeah, let's run, just, what I, I don't know exactly the starting lineup but i think they run something similar to like um lamello rogier uh 
Ubre, I think Gordon Hayward's still on that team. PJ Washington, they, they and then their biggest issue for years has been not having a center. They did kind of have a center in Cody Zeller, but he didn't really pan and out. Ever since Montrez has came over from Washington, he's been pretty like he's been he's been he's been be- he's been better than anything they've had. It's like you know they've always lacked the rim protection, and you're not really going to get rim protection from Montrez. I mean, he's like a six eight center. Yeah, what I'm saying is like, because uh, I know PJ Washington can shoot the three a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like if PJ hits like two straight threes, the mellow is not gonna look at him and be like, "You ain't shooting anymore." He's gonna be like, "Yo, come on, shoot again." Yeah, shoot again. You made that one. Shoot again. Ah, oh, you missed. Right, shoot another one. You got this. Yeah, he's gonna, he encourages his teammates to do better, not do worse. And, you know, you even when he's on like, the the sideline, like you just see him, you see him getting hyped with the rest of the team. You know, he's like, it's just I don't know. It's good to see. Somebody that that, and now now this is not don't this is not a shot at this person in particular, but like look at the contrast between Lamelo and Zion. Obviously, Lamelo's not dealing with injuries. Zion is, but Lamelo's still there, even if he's not playing. He's still there in the silence, cheering for his team every night, excited to be there. Where Zion, up until just recently, hasn't even been to the games. Yeah, I don't. I mean. I... You're Zion. You're an NBA player. If if you want to show up to a game, they're gonna find a way to get you into the game to sit on the bench or whatever it may be. It it might not just be he just doesn't want to be in uh, New if Orleans was, anymore. Yeah, I mean, wasn't it his his uh, quote unquote his team, which was kind of like his family friends, was was that last off season or just this one? Like said he didn't want to be in New Orleans. Like then he came out and said, oh, you know, what what I think that was the interview where they asked him. He goes, well, that's a great question. They didn't really answer it. And um, it was just, it's a weird thing. I, I think, I think, obviously, like, I don't know for sure. I don't have any facts on this. But it seems like Zion doesn't really want to be there. And I think the only reason he's even showing up at this point is because he got dragged for not being there. You know what I mean? I think at this point, he's just trying to save his face. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, the other thing it might be is getting fined that, for not being there. I don't, I don't know if he does. I don't know. I feel like if he was, we'd, we'd know about it. But, you know. I, so that's hard to say because he is injured, so he kind of has yeah. It's a not like the Ben Simmons situation, yeah, where He's Ben like, Simmons Simmons. just didn't fucking show up. Yeah, <laughs> Ben Simmons just like I ain't showing up. Yeah, but okay, that that was a little bit of a tangent. Just talk about recent games, but go back to your scoring. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns with that sixty point game. I feel like it didn't come out of nowhere, but it kind of did come out of nowhere. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, we knew he was a good scorer, and we knew he could get, like, 30, maybe 40, but to put up 60. Yeah, like I said, first center since Shaq to do it in, what, 2000? So it's been over 20 years since that center put up 60. Um, And then Kyrie, he just dropped 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, he dropped a 50-point game and a 60-point game mm-hmm. in about a week. He, did, uh, he dropped that 50 on the 8th and then the 60 on the 15th. Now, real quick, going back to that Carl Anthony's. Well, yes, but I think it is actually incredible right now the the center talent we have in the NBA because I feel like ever since I really started watching basketball like the early 2010s, late 2000s, you've had you've had your your really good centers like your Dwight Howard or like your Joe Quinoa for a year or you know what I mean. But like you really was not a surplus of superstar. Centers, and now you're coming out with obviously Embiid and Jokic, which are two of the MVP front runners. Um, Bam out of bio, Collins in Towns, 
Rudy Gobert, if you if you want to like, you know what I mean, like yeah, obviously yeah. great defensively. Like I just feel like, not, obviously not every team, but you can look at a lot of teams and go, okay, they have a really good center, or they have a good center. You know what I mean? I feel like that's the this is the first time in a long time that we've been able to say that. I think, um, I mean, obviously Giannis isn't a center, but he's a big man. I feel like this this next decade, the twenty twenties, is going to be dominated by big men. Oh yeah, I mean you're gonna have your guards, like you're gonna have Jaw and stuff like that. But I think I think especially with some of the drafts coming up, like with Chet Holgram. Yep, Pablo you know what I mean. Bro. Yeah, it's Bart just Schmidt. it's yep. it's gonna be a new centric because we went from the big men in the early 2000s, then the 2010s we started going towards guards, and then now in the early 2020s it's guards. But I feel like from it's gonna be another stretch of like 10, maybe 15 years. I think it's gonna revert back to dominant big men. And, and the thing is too about dominant big men nowadays versus dominant big men in the 2000s is you have a lot of big men nowadays playing like guards. You know oh, I mean? yeah. Like, yeah, Cat was hitting step-back threes on people. And I think that's the thing that really had that had that had to get time to catch up because when Curry came into the league, no one – you were shooting threes, yeah. but you weren't really shooting threes. Curry yeah. came in, and that – what was it, 16 Warriors team? 2015? Yeah, okay, okay. Re – Juvenize that, and it just took off with it. And then it was kind of like, well, if you're not shooting threes, it's gonna be hard to keep up if they're making them. The and NBA them- came shooting threes and driving to the basket. That's all the NBA became at that point in time. Yeah, and it was just kind of just like, well, there's no mid range shot because if you're taking a, a mid range shot, you might as well just step back and take a three. Yep. It's a little <laughs> bit the percentage of it's going in is gonna go down you get more points and then when that happened the big men kind of just sat back and we're just like well we just got to get back seat right now yep. and then now this new kind of like quote-unquote new generation is coming in and cu- some of the older players are learning to shoot and it's just coming full circle to where these big men are gonna be pulling from pulling from deep and they can go in and they can just dunk on you like Embiid yep. and Kat's been doing I mean now now if, if I'm forgetting anybody let me know but off the top of my head Look, look at the centers that realistically and do bring the ball up to court on inbounds. Embiid and Jokic do it. Cat can do it sometimes. Bam Adebayo, depending on the situation, can hold the ball. Hell, Bam Adebayo is like – this is going to be controversial. Maybe not. I would rather have Bam Adebayo defensively than I would Rudy Gobert because I... Rudy Gobert is the, the better rim protector for sure. But the thing about Bam Adebayo is – he can switch on the guards and hold his own for a little bit. He can play the paint. He might not be a, a rim protector, but I think he's a paint protector. And what I mean by that is that, you know, he might not block your shot, but he's going to miss it. You know what I mean? He, he's going to body you as you're going up to make it yeah. tougher. Yeah. I completely agree with you on that because we've seen in the playoffs, and it was last year, and we were talking about this a couple episodes ago, you go small ball against the Jazz. You're putting Rudy on an island outside. The Terrence Mann game. He dropped like 40-something on him. <laughs> it, it's just crazy. Like, yeah, we consider him depoy, but at the same time, it goes, yeah, he's great interior. You know, he's probably one of the best shot blockers in the league, if not the best. Mm-hmm. But how is how is his perimeter defense compared to his interior defense? Let's just throw stats out the window, and let's just look at how they defend the ball. That's why I think we should put that's Giannis, 
or Jaron Jackson Jr. because we but we all know that Jaron Jackson and Ja and uh not Ja and Giannis can defend outside and inside at yep. a relatively high rate. And that's why I also think Mikael Bridges is getting the Marcus Smart treatment. Yep. You're defending one of the arguably the best player on the team. You're holding them down, but you're not getting recognition because you're not getting the stats. Yep. And now don't get me wrong, like there's a value to being probably the you know, probably the best rim protector in the league. And there's definitely a very high value of being that. Um, I think the problem with the Jazz is that their entire defense is, hey, push into the paint so Rudy Gobert can block it. They don't have perimeter defenders. I think if you gave that Jazz team two two very like solid perimeter defenders, you would see Rudy Gobert get exposed less. Because, like I said, their entire defensive scheme, and you know, like I said, this could be on Quinn Snyder, is, hey, you know, hold them at the perimeter for a couple seconds and then don't let him shoot a three. Push him inside so Rudy can get him. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. it's like, you know, so he's great at what he at what he does. And like, you know, obviously you can't you can't expect Rudy Gobert at what seven, seven, one, seven, two to do the same things Mikhail Bridges and Market Smart do on the perimeter because yeah. they're smaller players. But like I just feel like he's gotta be able to at least hold his own for a few seconds until he gets a switch. Yeah, I can I can completely understand that. Yeah. And with that jazz team, I mean, even if they got like uh like we're talking about like a Bridges or Marcus Smart that can take the best player and give them a little more security on defense. I think that would actually go a long way in helping them out. Because, I mean, like, look at their best perimeter defender. Was it Royce O'Neal? And, like, no disrespect to Royce O'Neal, but he's not – he's not – In know, the same caliber as them, too. I don't not, – not even close. You know, I'm like, he's decent what he does, and that's really all he does. But, you know, Conley went through a stretch of his career – where he was a pretty pretty good defender. He's kind of getting older. He's not quite that anymore. Donovan is, I'd say, maybe average, maybe slightly above average defender. Joe Ingles, well, you know. It's Joe um, Ingles. <laughs> like, I just feel like <laughs> they need, you know, maybe maybe that's the next step after Mike Conley to get them like a, you know, you know who I would have loved? Obviously, he wouldn't have fell that far in the draft, but if they could have got somebody like Davion Mitchell this year. I could, yeah, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even for the name, but like <laughs> Davion is like that guy. I'm pretty sure like he has a nickname, uh, but like often or something like, like a very good young defender, uh, or like potentially very good young defender. You know, he's pretty solid now. But if they could have got somebody in that backcourt with Donovan Mitchell that could help in a perimeter defense, I think that would have been fantastic for them. I got you. I know exactly who they should have got, but they're not going to do it because he doesn't get the time to really go out and play. That's uh, Javon Carter played mm. at West Virginia. Yep. He was a four-year senior. He made the uh, I think was it. Are they in the Big Twelve? Where was he at? West Virginia. Oh, uh, I don't think so. I th- I, th- I, th- I can't. Well, whatever conference, whatever conference they're in, he made the All Defensive Team mm. at least two or three seasons out of there. He was one of the best defenders on that West Virginia team that I think made it to the Sweet Sixteen. His senior year, or close to it, he's a good defender and he can shoot the three. There was a game when he was playing with the Nets. He went off for like twenty points off the bench, and no one was kind of just like, "Oh, look at him." Yeah, you know I, what I mean. He's been he's been great for the Suns this year since Chris Paul's been out. 
Oh yeah, he's just—he. I think like he's one of them underrated three and D guys that can actually handle the ball a little bit. That could actually take a little bit of pressure off uh, Mitchell if need be, but I doubt they're gonna try and get him. And now he actually no, I'm I'm mistaken. He's um, he's on the uh, the Bucks now. Yeah, to say he moved around. I know he was on the Suns. He was on the Nets earlier in the year. Yeah, but that's, but. that's bad. I was thinking about a couple of seasons ago. But um, he's on Milwaukee now, uh, because he was traded. He traded the deadline, I think. But, I mean, hey, Milwaukee just got another good perimeter defender to put up there if they need to with Drew Holiday. But yeah, and then like the scoring with Kyrie. I mean, like I said, I remember I mentioned this. If, I think the, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about the um, the NBA duos, um, Kyrie on the offensive side of the ball is legitimately the most gifted scorer I think I've ever seen in my life personally with my own eyes like like obviously there's Jordan and people like that but I never got to personally watch them but I think with with you know Allen Iverson okay uh didn't really see him play either besides like the very very end of his career but I think the things Kyrie Irving does on the offensive side is unmatched no no I I know what you're saying let's not get it twisted Kevin Durant Mm -hmm. he can score but it's in a different way. You know what I mean? Kevin I know Durant you... is probably uh, – yeah, it, I think it's tough because Kevin Durant's one of the best scorers of all times too, but he can just literally shoot over anybody. Yeah. In the league. That's what I, mean. I know what you're saying with Kyrie. He's one of the most – He, from what we've seen and we watched, yeah, one of the he's most probably scorers. one of the most gifted or craftiest scorers in the league. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, he'll shoot over you. You know, I mean, he doesn't have to get too crafty. He doesn't have to get "quote unquote" in his bag to do anything. He can literally just go up and shoot over you. And he does. You know what I mean? Durant definitely gets in his bag and does. Oh yeah, he, for he sure, doesn't. For sure. He doesn't have to. He just does it sometimes. Yeah. I think just but, to do it. I mean, watching Kyrie Irving play is just. I mean, I, I don't know. It's like it's it's, you know, love him or hate him. He he's he's just so. I, I just beautiful to watch him play the sport of basketball because like I've just never seen somebody when they get to the rim he literally has 50 different ways he could finish at the rim oh yeah I mean he he does a fucking he could do a reverse to where he switches hands and goes up the other side it, it's just so many like you said so many different ways that he can finish and it's all but impossible to actually defend him when he drives in now speaking of um last night the the 76ers were playing um was it uh, the Raptors last night? Yeah, the 76ers and the Raptors were playing last night. Joel Embiid drove to the basket on, I think it was two or three defenders. And then kind of, he kind of tried to foul bait it. You know how Joel Embiid can be sometimes. Um, he yeah. kind of foul bait it and went up underneath and just kind of flicked the ball up high in the air. And it, it, it bounced and went right in. I mean, that was like some Kyrie shit from Joel Embiid. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if he was actually trying to make it or he was just trying to draw the foul in one. But he kind of went up and under the basket and flicked it up high in the air and it went in. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> I, uh, branching off of that, uh, the MB baiting fouls. I seen a, uh, a chart, and it had the top five players with the most free throws made. Joel Embiid and James Harden were one in five. Mm-hmm. They have more made free throws than they do norm uh, uh field goal made. That's ridiculous. Joel has like 555 made free throws this year so far. Jesus. It's insane. And if you take 
Joel and Harden and combine their free throws made, it is more than any combination in the league. If you take three, four, if you take two, three or three, four or two, four, it, it, you're not going to be able to get that many. It's insane. You know, it's, that is well, because one thing I have noticed about James Harden, especially since he's been on the 76ers, is this man misses a lot of jump shots, a lot of jump shots every game. Um, now, James Harden's always been a volume scorer. He's always taking a lot of shots. But his days in Houston, he made them. You know what I mean? He's just chucking them now. Yeah, at this point in Brooklyn, and and I think especially now on this 76ers team, every time I look in, he's 3 for 13, 9 for 20. And 9 for 20 is not bad. Like 5 for 15. Like he's just always yeah. taking so many shots. And they're just – you know what I mean? And I think a lot of that comes down to they they – the 76ers traded away their shooting in that trade. So now they don't really have perimeter shooters. I mean, they got like, they got Harden, who, like you said, has been shooting terrible so far. I mean, they got Tobias Harris. Who's not exactly a sniper. <laughs> He's not. I mean, who else even can shoot? You have, on you that have Danny team? Green if you ever decides he wants to make a jump shot. That, but yeah. But like Seth Curry is legitimate, like, as like a factual. One of the best three point shooters in league history. Um, yeah, statistical from a statistical, yeah, statistical standpoint. standpoint. And they, they gave that up. And I, I think they're missing that more than they really felt. Because, like, obviously, you're like, would I rather have Seth Curry or James Harden? It's like, okay, yeah, James Harden. But now you're really you're starting to miss the impact that Seth Curry had for you. Yeah, it, it, it comes down to a point to when it's just like, do I want the better player or do I want the person who's going to fit what we're doing? And yep. I feel like Seth Curry fit what they were doing better than James Harden because Curry didn't need the ball in his hands. You could give it to him, be down low. And if they double kick out or you could have Tobias handle the ball. And if something happened, there's Curry in the corner, kick it to Curry. He's going to make it. You know what I mean? Yep. I just, I, I, you know, still to this day, like, for sure, James Harden is still a fantastic player in the NBA. I just really don't – I don't – you know, and I know people have said this, and I know they've been, they've been winning since James Harden's been there for sure. I think I saw a stat the other day that they were 8-2. Like and two. The record might be a little bit different now, but I think they were like 8-2 and two since Harden's been there. I In a, in a seven-game series, I don't like the fit of James Harden and Joel Embiid. I think, you know – Obviously, both of them have had their playoff woes in the past. Um, I don't think if you're Joel Embiid, you want your guard taking 20 shots a night and making four of them. It also comes down to, yeah, I can understand that. But it also comes down to the fact that James Harden isn't really going to listen to anybody. No. You know what I mean? After Houston and stuff, like he's not going to listen to anybody. And I feel like if Joel Embiid went up and said, hey – don't be taking 20 shots. You're going like three for 20. Don't be doing that. You know, we got to win this game. You know, we got to win this series. I feel like it's, it's not going to go over well. Harden's going to be coming to the next game in a fat suit. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, see, I just, honestly, even though Harden is a really good player, I feel like it's coming to his time to where he's not going to be in the league here soon. Just because of how he's been acting and how he, how, and he's not consistent anymore. I think because of his name, people are still going to give him jobs up until he legitimately can't play basketball anymore. Um, 
I think he's going to be in the league, but I don't think you're going to see him dropping I, like 40, he, he's, 50. He's going to be an all-star for sure. Because, like, you know, half of James Harden, three-quarters of James Harden, is still better than 80% of the league. Oh, um, yeah. And you're still going to see him get the all-star. But, yeah, I don't think you're going to see him go in another dominant MVP-type run anymore. I just I don't f- think that's in his 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 tank anymore. I think his peak is kind of what we are seeing from Damian Lillard. His peak, he was playing great. They didn't get a team around him. And now it's wasted, and he's still trying to play. Well, Damian Lillard is still doing Damian Lillard things, but James Harden is trying to play like he did four or five years ago, and it's not working, and he's not trying to adjust. Like He's not saying, okay, this isn't working. Let me start switching to be a catch-and-shoot person and handle the ball a little less. You know what I and, mean? I mean, like like I said, you know, that that like eight to ten year stretch he was in Houston, James Harden was a top ten player in the league every year. You know, he had an MVP. He probably could have won a second MVP depending on that Westbrook season, but yada yada yada. But you know, I I, I don't know, it's tough because people aren't gonna like that. James Harden's not gonna like the fact that, you know, maybe he has to transform his game. But the the players you see stay in the league long are the players who can transform their game. Now, and, outside of like, you know, you have your people like Kevin Durant, Curry, LeBron, your your super superstars who are like generational talent can still be that guy later in their career. But a, a lot of guys, if you want to stick around, you're going to have to kind of conform your game. I mean, look at, I think Brooke Lopez is like a perfect example of that. When he was going at, when he was at the Nets, he was a low post guy, you know, in the post, back to the basket, boom, boom, boom. Then he that kind of big man is getting phased out of the game. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to shoot. And now he's still, when he's healthy, the starting center for a championship-level team in the Bucks, because he transformed to what the NBA needed him, or what the Bucks needed him to be, instead of instead of being like, well, no, I don't want to do that. That's not who I am. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like the players that can stick around are the players that can kind of mold themselves to what their team needs. And I mean, you gave the uh, for the the superstars generational talents, but even then, look at LeBron. I think he his three point percentage is the best it's been through his whole career right now, or it's been yeah. there, it's up there. He's, He's also the only person on my team that can shoot. So that is true. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, even he's doing it. He's going to the three ball a little bit more because he knows that his body isn't going to be able to take what it used to. You know, he's even preparing for that. And it just comes to a point when you just got to humble yourself and you just got to, even though it might hurt you for your ego, you just got to take that so you can keep playing and still put up decent numbers and not shoot terribly. And like I said, people like LeBron, Katie, those are uh, anomalies. You know what I mean? Like they, they, not every player is going to be able to be in their prime until their mid to late thirties. It just, it just doesn't happen. Oh yeah. Um, you know, there's a reason LeBron spends a million dollars every year on his body to keep himself in the shape he's in. And you can even tell, you know, he's still, he's okay. He still looks great. Pause. But you, know, like you, you can, you can see, I think this season for sure, you can see, he just looks older in the face. Like he just, he doesn't look quite as, as funny. Like you can tell yeah. he's slowly, he's getting older. You know what I mean? And it's it's just like it's just the human body. No matter how much money you pump into your body, it's going to get to the point when you start deteriorating. And I think that is what you're seeing with Russell Westbrook. 
Westbrook has always been a player that's relied heavily on his athleticism. Like, I don't want to say he's not skilled because obviously you have to be a skilled player to get into the NBA. But 90%, 85% of Russell Westbrook's game has been athleticism and effort. And now that you, he's in his 30s, and you're seeing his athleticism start to not, not like go away, but he's starting to kind of, you know, get to that older point of his, his playing career, at least. He can't do the same things, and he's having to rely on his basketball skill. And it's just not the same Westbrook you're used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, and he's also another good example that, you know, this offseason, he might just have to bite the bullet. If he wants to stay in the league, he's got to get a reliable three-point shot. And you know what? I, I, I'm i a huge Russell Westbrook fan. I am not a stand of Russell Westbrook. I'm very, very aware of how, you know, his flaws. But I've I've been a Russell Westbrook fan for as long as I can remember watching basketball. I've just loved his his heart and his effort on the on the court. Yeah. Um, and I, I really thought his his story of, you know, staying with OKC after – you know, KD left and like having that, that built in rivalry of man, I played for you for this long. You left us. Like, I'm going to take you down. I love, I love that from Russell Westbrook. Um, I thought he was somebody that was just going to be in OKC for the rest of his career, to be honest. Um, but then, you know, things happened that the team was looking to go younger. They didn't want to pay him. Understandable. You know, that's the NBA business. But I feel like ever since he has left OKC each season, I mean, now I understand with the Wizards the last year, he was not bad. He was pretty decent. But I think ever since he's left the Thunder, each season you're starting to see less and less and less and less from Westbrook to now the point with the Lakers, he was legitimately since also break shooting like under 10% from three. And he is more detrimental to a team than he is helpful. And now I know he did have, you know, the game, the game tying shots in the overtime the other night, which was coming off. The previous shot that hit the top of the backboard, we're not going to forget about. <laughs> top of the backboard, and then still have the confidence to pull the thing and make it, you know. And I think that's something about Westbrook that, like you said, he's got to understand that he's he's not the MVP level triple double king that he used to be. And you know he can still get triple doubles here and there, which you know is is great, but it's not what it used to be. Um, but I'm worried about Westbrook because I think. He has the skill level to be able to transform his game to stay. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't I know, know if he has. The, I don't know if he has the shooting skill to be able to be a role player. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's like what is what kind of role player is he really going to be? I mean that is true, and I feel like it's also another thing. Like with the James Harden, it's going to be the ego that he's not going to want to take a backseat role. Yeah, and you, you know, know what I mean. And it, you know that's as a as a fan of Westbrook. I really hate the fact that it, that we we might be seeing the end of him. You know what I mean? It, it really yeah. does suck to see because you know that that three year stretch in the MVP when he was averaging triple doubles for three straight years. I mean that was just some of the best basketball I've ever seen. Um, you know, people might say, "Oh, he's stat pen, blah blah blah, whatever." You know, averaging a triple double th- for three straight seasons is insane. Considering when he did it the first time, he was what the second player ever to do it, and then he did it for two more years straight. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was. Yeah, Oscar Robinson did it first, and then mm. he was the second one to do it. But the first one to do it through multiple seasons, I believe. Yeah. So it was just you know, it was groundbreaking for the time. I just think, yeah, I, I think that was. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think anybody can really being an MVP. You know, I I don't think anybody's really gonna deny. I mean, people are obviously gonna deny because people a lot of people hate Westbrook. Yeah. But, 
Um, I think he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I just think he's at the point of his career where it's just it, it might be, you know, he's still going to play for a couple more years because it's, it's, you know, he's going to. It but, might just be raps for him. Yeah. Which sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, this is, it's only so much you can do because, like the, like the saying says, Father Time is undefeated. Yep. Unless you're LeBron James. I wouldn't go that far yet. <laughs> now, is, he, he's been good. That team just absolutely sucks. Like, well, I mean, I saw a stat. It's like if he doesn't drop 50 points or he doesn't drop an insane amount of points, it's guaranteed a loss. Well, yeah, I think I think after the All-Star break, and now obviously that, that changed because they beat the Raptors, but um, if he did, they, they were 0-8 in games, he didn't score 50 points in the All-Star, after the All-Star break, mm-hmm. which is insane to be asking of a 37-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just that that's just insane. And that that's another that one's really, you know, a lot of people hate him now, but that's real. That's gonna be a hard one to see leave the NBA. LeBron. I mean, he's been in the NBA my entire life. Well, he got drafted what two years after I was born. That's just gonna be absolutely insane in in a bad way to see him not in the NBA. You know, I'm not ready for the day we tip off and he's not in the league. Yeah, I mean, it's also kind of translating to the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, we had, like, our prime football growing up. It was Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Eli Manning, all of them kind of. Eli Manning. All of them are gone except, really, Tom Brady. Yeah, all the old guys still got are... a solid, like, 10 years left. He'll be all right. <laughs> I mean, he says he wa- How old is he? Is he in his 40s yet? Oh, he's, like, 43, 44. He said he wants to play to his fifty. You know, he said he it was a pot. So him and Gronk were doing something, and Gronk asked the question, "Do you think he could play to your 50? And he goes, "Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays to his 50. I think it's gonna be tough, but I, I, I mean, hey, he's you know he's getting there, so I can't I cannot take it away from him. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh it's just me and my sister were talking about that. Like all the guy, all the quarterbacks we grew up watching. Are just they were just slowly going out, and we don't realize it until now to where it's really just Tom Brady. Yep. I mean, same thing with like you know I grew up watching Calvin Julio. The I mean Julio and DeAndre Hopkins are a little bit more recent, but I still grew up watching them. Um, T.O. You know, there's I, I'm definitely forgetting a lot of, but like we grew up watching so many fantastic receivers, and obviously T.O. and Calvin retired. Julio is just it, it sucks that it's I hate seeing players that were so good in their prime fall off a cliff. It, it really sucks to see. You know what I mean? Like this past season from Julio just was terrible. And it, it sucks to see from a player that at at for a couple of years I considered the best receiver in the NFL. Antonio Brown, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, I mean I can definitely understand. I mean, even if we switch, you know, wide receiver, even when we look at the running backs. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of good running backs. We had LT. We had uh, Jam- oh, Jamal Williams. Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles. That's right. We just had a list of really good running backs. Le'Veon Bell. He mm-hmm. kind of fell off a cliff, in my opinion. Sure. He was pretty good. We had a list of really good running backs, and they just started falling off. And it's just it, father time. It, yeah, especially when I mean, look at like like. Like Ty Gurley, he had like what a two, three year stretch where he was a great top running back, and then boom, he's just like that. Yeah, you know, I was like, I know he had, he had knee issues, but like 
you know, just like that, boom, they're gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and hell, he even played in the Super Bowl, and I think the next season, poof, gone. Yep, he started dealing with some injuries. I think it was, like, arthritis in his knee that they didn't want to tell anybody about. And obviously, like, that's no stuff to play with. You know, good for him for yeah. – I, I think he's still been playing here and there, but good for him for, like, taking his health seriously and that kind of thing because at the end of the day, your health is more important than football. But, um, it, it, yeah, like I said, it just sucks seeing players that were so dominant just kind of a shell of their former self. Yeah, and I feel like in the NBA, it doesn't happen that often because it gets to the point when it's just like they just look and say, I can't do this anymore, and they retire. And some retire a little sooner than they should, but they look at their health and they're just like, hey, I can't keep doing this. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, speaking of that, we're going to you want to transition into the, the moves that have been going on recently in the yeah. NFL. Yeah, the NFL offseason has been – Insane. This is like the the most insane offseason I can remember in the NFL for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think today alone, Jameis Winston re-signs with New Orleans. Marcus Mariota signs with the Falcons after the Falcons traded Matt Ryan to the Colts for at least a third-round pick. There could be more. Not 100% sure on that. Then you had that Deshaun Watson trade. Now, Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Marcus Mariota is enough for the Falcons not to trade for Baker Mayfield? I don't know. Because I think I think I saw the two the two teams linked to Baker were the Colts and the Seahawks. And obviously, like they're not gonna send him to the Colts now. So does that mean Baker's gonna be the new quarterback of the Seahawks? And they just trade for Drew Locke, but then again, Drew Locke's not exactly, you know what I mean? I mean, I feel I feel bad for Noah Fan. He tried to he tried to get rid of of Drew Locke, and he got with Drew Locke. Now, now if, if Seattle if Seattle trades for Baker, I'd rather have Baker than Drew Locke. It's not much oh, better. Oh, yeah. But, no. <laughs> it, it, it's not much better, but it's just a little bit better. But, I mean, even even with uh, Drew Locke, I mean, you still got Ty Lockett. You got Metcalf. Yep. But, hey, they, they've, been, fan. they've been – I think they've been looking – I think if I remember a couple of weeks ago, I read this or it might have been, I don't know, but they were, they were, they were answering phone calls for Tyler Lockett that he wasn't safe. Now, obviously he hasn't been traded yet, but I think, I don't know if Seattle wants to get Baker Mayfield because with trading Russell Wilson, releasing Bobby Wagner, I think you're, you're sending yourself into a rebuild. I, so, I think that could be it. And that's another reason why they got Drew Locke mm-hmm. was because of maybe going through this rebuilding phase and in the, and they might sometime this season try and get rid of someone like Metcalf, Lockett, see, and fans. That's be tough because now I can definitely see them shop shopping around Lockett, but you know I understand going to rebuild. But do you want to give away a great talent like DK yet because he's still so young? I mean, I can see, but yeah, I mean, it's tough because he can still be a part of your rebuild in in three four years. You know, when you have a better team, he could still be in his prime. He could be into his prime at that point. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. not—he's like in his early twenties, mid twenties. Like, I think, I think DK is young enough that you can keep him through your rebuild. Now, if he wants to stay through your rebuild, that's another question. But you can keep him through your rebuild. Tyler Lockett, obviously, on the other hand, is a little bit older. You know, by the time your rebuild's done, he'll be in his thirties, and it's like, well, you don't really want a thirty-plus-year-old receiver on a—you know what I mean? So. 
hey, Steelers are looking for wide receivers. We'll trade for Lockett. Yeah, yeah, we need we need one to uh, replace Cedric Wilson. We just lost. <laughs> um, let's see what other moves happen. Uh, Deshaun, yeah, duh. Deshaun Watson to the Browns, and that happened what a day after Baker said I want to get traded. And the Browns were like, no. Yeah, the Browns told him no. Deshaun Watson, and they're like, okay, now you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, I, I that's tough because I, I've always been a huge fan of Deshaun Watson. Um, obviously, now that all this this stuff came out the past year, it's really, you know, obviously we don't know if it happened or not. Like, I understand, like, getting a charge, but that doesn't mean he did it. Yeah, that doesn't mean he didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, he still could have yeah. done it. Like, so it's definitely, like, you know, it, it's tainted my view of Deshaun. Hopefully he didn't do it, but... I don't know. I, I think it's with 22 different accusations coming out. I think it's kind of tough. To, like, no, nah, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I think if it was one or two, you can maybe make the case that it could be whatever. But 22, that's that, that's a lot. And uh, apparently when the Browns were talking with the Texans on a trade, apparently the Browns never called uh, Watson's attorney to talk to the any of the twenty two women, they just did the trade. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, it's a sticky situation. I don't really want to get into because that's kind of controversial. Yeah. But it's just, you know. Yeah. Um, and with that new contract that Deshaun Watson's getting, if you combine Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes' guaranteed money, if you add them together, Watson is getting eighty percent. What they're getting as guaranteed. As well. Yeah. And if you look at resumes for Rodgers and Mahomes, they got what? Two Super Bowls, five MVPs, or some shit like that? Yeah, they have multiple Super Bowl appearances. Well, at least Mahomes has multiple Super Bowl appearances. I don't think Rodgers. I know he made it to one against the Steelers. Yeah, you got, and they won that one. Yeah. Okay, then yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'm pretty sure one. It's just. Still crazy, multiple MVPs, multiple Super Bowl appearances combined, and this guy who's been on a shelf for a year because of the allegations. He, now I he, think, <sighs> I think it's crazy to think Deshaun has been playing. I'm sure he's been in the in the training facilities and all that. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm when I mean on a shelf. I mean he hasn't yeah, been, he's been in playing. a game. Yeah, for you know sure. I mean? No, I, I, I understand what you were saying. I'm just saying for the people listening yeah. that just because we say on a shelf doesn't mean he. There's like, oh, well, he hasn't been playing. He definitely has been practicing doing his game drills and stuff like that. And, like, natural skill doesn't go away. Deshaun Watson is still going to be a great quarterback when he comes, when he plays. Now, but you also have to worry about, is he going to get suspended? Because if he gets suspended for the whole season, well, then the Browns just took a – I mean, you know, you're paying a guy that much money to have him sit on the bench the whole year because he got suspended. Yeah, and another thing is that the NFL has to be careful now because – of uh, if you look uh with Calvin Ridley. Yeah. He took uh it like well like three or four weeks in, he said, you know what, I'm gonna step away, focus on my health. And then they found out he was gambling while away from the team and they suspended for the entire season. Mm-hmm. And if they only suspend Baker for I mean not Baker, Deshaun Watson for four weeks, they're saying that gambling is more of a crime than 
You know what I mean? So they got to be very careful with what they do. <laughs> the NFL has always been terrible with suspensions. Terrible. Oh. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan, true and true. But now, and then this is another weird one, because a couple years ago when Zeke was, you know, all these charges came up about Zeke, and he was similar to Watson. He wasn't charged with anything. You know what I mean? Like, and he even Zeke had some proof come out that the girl was lying. So it kind of cleared up that, you know, Zeke was innocent, but the NFL still suspended him six games, which was kind of like, you know, okay, you found yeah. him innocent, but you're still going to, that's kind of weird, right? Yeah, then, it's just. But then you look back at Ray Rice. He, he when, the, when the news came out, what happened with Ray Rice, he was suspended two games by the NFL. Now, and then, then the video came out of what had happened, and then he was suspended for longer. But what really made it a shitty situation was Roger Goodell saw the first before anybody else suspended him two games. The public saw the video and was outraged, so he extended the. So it's like they they are never consistent on who like on what their their lengths are. You know, two guys could do the same crime. And one guy might get two weeks, and the other guy will get six weeks. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's terrible how the NFL is. It's it's very inconsistent, just like yeah. officiating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, other news: Well, uh, Amari Cooper getting traded from the Cowboys. Yeah, and then they restructured his contract anyway, and the Browns which pisses me off. <laughs> um, Juju Smith-Schuster signing with the Chiefs. I mean. That's been for like two years now. Yeah, I mean, uh, all I gotta say, I'm a Steelers fan. I, I like Juju when he first came in, but he just—I don't know—the past year or two, it's just been some about him that I don't really like. And in my opinion, he TikTok went. Dances. What? All them TikTok dances. Just, I'm not. I'm not getting into it. But the only thing I gotta say. He was like, you know what? I can't. I couldn't make it as a number one option on a team, so let me flip around and become a third option. And then he yeah, goes, "He's gonna be two, I, yeah, third. third option." He he's not getting put above Reek or uh, Kelsey, but he's still gonna get his touches. Oh, but it's just sure. he, he says, "I want to win. I want to win." Well, maybe if you played and actually got open, maybe it would have been a little bit different. But you know, it is what it is. Yep. Um, how about how about Joe Burrow and the Bengals, man? They have signed three new offensive linemen. They just yeah, I'm Lyle Collins today. I'm pretty sure, which yeah. the Cowboys dropped for you know just because they wanted to. <laughs> One of the best <laughs> right tackles of the league. They're like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow got sacked, I think, a season high, seventy times, and was like sixteen times in the postseason. It was I think it was nineteen in the postseason and, and seven in the school. I was gonna say it was some insane, and they still won. No, no, they lost. Well, they won in the playoffs. They made the Super Bowl, but they that's lost. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that that's what I meant. But it's just insane how he still did that, and it's just now they're redoing the offensive line. Joe, Mister Joe Shiesty is gonna be someone that you don't want to see in the playoffs. I, I really do like the Bengals. You know, I thought their run was fantastic. I just worry that. They had themselves a 2015 Carolinas Panthers run, where they have that one season where everything just worked out for them, losing the Super Bowl and then just don't go back. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that could happen, but I hope it doesn't. <sighs> but it's it's tough. It's definitely tough because I think this Bengals team 
is better than, than that, that character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know Cam was the MVP, but, like, I mean, if you look at that team, they really weren't very good. Um, it was just kind of Cam was just Superman that season, you know, as he called himself. Um, I mean, I, I remember watching the Super Bowl with my dad, and every time Cam would throw a pass, the receiver would it bounce off his hand, bounce off his hand, bounce off. And it was like his leading receiver was like Ted Ginn. And Ted Ginn's never really been a receiver receiver. He's been a returner, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just, I, I don't know. But I, I really hope the Bengals are able to overcome that and make themselves like a dominant force in the AFC for years to come. Oh yeah, I can I can totally agree with that. Uh, on the other one, on the other moves, Devontae Adams getting traded from the Packers to the Raiders. Oh baby! Wow, that... two days after Rodgers signed his new deal, and, and... Rodgers knew it yep, was Rogers it was going did. down. You know, if that doesn't show Aaron Rodgers' lack of caring, I don't know what else does. That is that has always been my critique with Rodgers. I've never been a fan of Rodgers because I've never liked his attitude. I feel like he's always had a me first attitude for like as long as I can remember. Remember, um, he's a fantastic quarterback for sure, but he's always had that that terrible attitude. And I think, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers, and you're like, okay, we keep losing in the playoffs, we keep losing in the playoffs, we keep losing. Some of it's because of him. But then you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll give it a chance. Maybe we do something. And then you see your best receiver, arguably the best receiver in the NFL, is like, actually, I'm going to leave. And he's like, well, this, I'm still going to be the highest-paid quarterback, so I don't care. You know what I mean? It also comes down to the fact that if you look at Tom Brady, he is taking pay cuts every single time he gets yep. a new deal, up just about. And he's been winning Super Bowls, and everyone else is taking these lot this so much money. A couple uh, when Joe Flacco was still in the Ravens and he was doing his thing, he took that massive deal and they couldn't pay to get anyone around him. And then that yep. Ravens team just sucked. Mm-hmm. They uh, they and some of them like they they know that they know to get better than you take a pay cut, but they don't want to take a pay cut. And which I mean, like I get it, right? Like if if I go to a job, say like one job's like I'm gonna pay you twenty five dollars an hour, and other jobs like I'll pay you. Seventeen dollars an hour. I'm gonna go to the twenty-five dollar an hour job. Like I, 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 I understand wanting your money, but I feel like personally, when you're talking about two hundred million versus one hundred fifty million, I mean, Jesus, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> either way, you're getting a bag. Yeah, and it it just I don't know. Like people just get so wrapped up in the money. That they kind of forget that they're there to do a job, and then they look, and then they'll complain about the supporting cast behind closed doors or whoever they choose to do it. And then it's kind of just like, well, you kind of did it to yourself. I mean, realistically, I... what the hell is Aaron Rodgers going to do with – I mean, he's already obviously like had contracts to that entire career. Alan Lazard. What, what, is, what is Aaron Rodgers going to do with an extra $200 million? By boat. This man can already afford anything he wants. What's <laughs> adding two hundred million going to do to it? Like, how uh, is nice to have for sure? More like, money no for his kids. Yeah, like there's just no chance he can even spend that much money. I like, wouldn't okay, put I it past can. him. I guess you yeah. can. Yeah, but like, <laughs> you know. Oh, but yeah, I I completely understand what you're saying, and even then, Tom Brady he still had he still made a bag through mm. his career. And he's taking care of himself. He's done the whole thing, and he's he hasn't made as much as the quarterbacks around him. But he's 
Hell, he's been up for MVP how many years in a row now? Well, his wife's also a millionaire herself, I think. So that kind of helps him. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But I mean, still, I. Like... Yeah, for sure. He's definitely made. Yeah, I don't know. I, this has been a crazy offseason. I mean, the AFC West has been loaded this offseason. Uh, Khalil Mack getting traded to the Chargers. Mm hmm. That was that was something else. Randy um, Gregory getting signed by the Broncos. Russell Wilson getting traded to the Broncos. Um, <laughs> let's see. The, the the Raiders signed Chandler Jones, traded for Devontae Adams. Um, that that I I think I told you this last night when we were playing Madden, but there's a very realistic scenario to where every AFC West team. Gets into the playoffs, mm-hmm. or only one misses. Stacked that division is. You know, I I think, I think your Chiefs are your guaranteed lock into the playoffs. Um, Chiefs, I think Chiefs and Chargers are gonna yeah. be locks. I think I Chiefs think, win the division. I think the Chargers are a wild card. I think, I, I don't know. The Chargers just have a long history of just not being able to, you know what I mean? Just not being able to really make it. So that, I think they, that's their, I, like, obviously they have insane talent all across the board. They've added oh, yeah. insane talent. I just feel like if any team is going to fall on their face, it's going to be the Chargers in that division. Yeah, I can totally understand where you're coming from. But the other thing is, is they got a new coach. Yeah. They don't have Phillip Rivers anymore. Yes. They have a, that's Philip Rivers would just throw that damn ball wherever he pleased and wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah. Uh yeah, that that AFC West team is stacked. Yeah, I mean Did, then you have the Broncos and the Raiders. And I, I, I don't know, like the division's obviously gonna be way more competitive now, but I think people are gonna start overhyping it to the point where it's like if any of those teams goes under five hundred, it's gonna be a disappointment. You know what I mean? Yeah, people, we can't. people have to lose every week. Somebody has to lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> not everyone can win. Not every team in that division is gonna have ten wins. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just, you know. And, and another thing that worries me is about the the Raiders is you get a top, probably the best receiver in the league in Devontae Adams, but I think you now have the worst quarterback in the division. Yeah, I could I could see you saying that, but. They have arguably the best tight end in the league. Arguably, I don't think uh, he he is the best tight end in the league. Darren uh, Waller. Oh, the two K twenty one or not two K the Madden twenty one days where he was the base tight end in the snappers. Oh my god, that was oh that was awesome. Darren Waller. Was, uh, on the other news, Jaguars release linebacker Miles Jack picked up. By the Steelers. Yep, and then the Jags signed the entire league to uh, maximum deals. Um. <laughs> <laughs> who who did they who did they sign to him to a fat paycheck and he hasn't even had a thousand yard season? Christian Kirk never yeah, had that, a thousand yard season, and they signed him a huge contract. That's I, pretty wild. Ah. They, I, the thing about the Jags is that I think people. I think people can sometimes see a active free agency as a good free agency. Like they were active and signed a lot of people, but I don't think they really got much better. I can't argue with you on that because they got Brandon Sheriff from, from the the commanders, which is an upgrade. Brandon Sheriff's been a great guard for, I mean, 
forever. And they um, do need help on that offensive they, line. They franchise tag Cam Robinson, which is a lot of money to be paying to a very, very average tackle. But I guess you want to keep him for another year. Okay, whatever. Um, you bring in Christian Kirk. Like I said, never had a thousand yard season. And you had a better quarterback in Arizona than you do currently in Jacksonville. Not saying Trevor Lawrence couldn't be better, but right now, Kyler Murray's better than Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I mean, who was his competition? I mean, yeah, D Hop was on the other side, but if D Hop's on the other side of you, you should get more opportunity. You know what I mean? Oh, hell yeah. Where now he's going to a situation where he's in a receiving room with what, Lavishka Chanel and Marvin Jones? Do they still have DJ Chark? No, I'm pretty sure he's leaving. I'm pretty sure they're getting like because he's been having some issues with that team. I'm I'm gonna look it up now, but um, it's just crazy what some teams yeah, will do. He's Detroit now, DJ Chark's in Detroit. What the? I know, I know he was injured last year. Like I, the thing about DJ Chark was that I think it was that yeah the 2019 season where he had a thousand yards. Um, then he kind of. He's dealt with some injuries, and I don't think he never really lived up to the hype he set in that year. But he's still, uh, like, I, I think he's better than Christian Kirk. I think he's better than Leviska Chenault. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, I think that Jaguars team is just going to be bad again. Yeah, they they put There's a lot no of money around in mediocre players. And you can't, you can't do that. You got to try and get some big names, but then even though you are the Jags. Yeah, I was going to say, what big name for agents is going to be like, oh, I want to go play in Jacksonville. Especially receiver, because you know Lawrence just hasn't proved himself in the NFL yet. He's obviously fantastic college and high school quarterback, but in the NFL, he has not proved himself to be a top quarterback. So, a top free agent receiver isn't going to want to go to a team that doesn't have a proven quarterback. That is true. I mean, and in this draft coming up, I know they got a top pick. It's it's just hard to say who they should go. I mean, I could probably I don't they have the number one pick again. I'm pretty sure. It's something like that. I mean, I feel like they should just go Evan Neal from Alabama, play tackle. I feel like they could go They could go anything at this point in time. Yes, you have Neal, you have uh, Ikemokwanu with the tackle, I think who's probably going to go above Evan Neal. Then you have guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive. Like I, I feel like they're at the point where you can take anything besides quarterback and running back, but you're not going to take running back at one. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like you could take any of the edge rushers and you could take any of the tackles and you'd be fine. I was going to say, even then, they could – see, I just don't see them realistically looking for something to trade back. You know what I mean? And now, you know, now you put yourself in a stupid situation because you franchise tagged Cam Robinson yeah. to play tackle. So do you draft tackle one? Like, yeah, okay, like, you know, Ike McQuanu and Evan Neal are going to be better long-term than Cam Robinson – but you just paid Cam, Cam Robinson top tackle money for a year. You know what I mean? So you can't pay Cam Robinson that money and go, well, you know, we're going to have to move you around, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. really put themselves in a weird situation. The only thing that I have against Aiden Hutchinson is that playoff game when that tackle <laughs> from Georgia just absolutely destroyed him all game. Yep. That's – I, I, I've – I, I don't like Aiden Hutchinson because I'm a Penn State fan and, you know, F Michigan. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that boat. <laughs> I don't like Michigan. I'm not a Penn State fan, but I just don't like Michigan. Yeah. Uh, you know, say what you want. I'm a Penn State fan, a Cowboys fan. I just like the blue and silver colors. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, let's see what other big moves have happened this year. Tyron Matthew still not with a team; he is still up there. And Bobby Wagner unsigned, but apparently now this is from a couple different sources. I can't hasn't for sure for sure happened yet, but a few different sources I've seen on Twitter are saying that the the Cowboys are the front runners to sign Bobby Wagner right now. I can see that y'all don't really have. A, I mean. You also have Van Der Esch. Yeah, we re-signed Van Der Esch. But Bobby Wagner in his current state is still better than Van Der Esch. Yeah, I mean, even then, I know you have Micah Parsons playing a hybrid edge outside linebacker. And slide Van Der Esch to the other outside linebacker and put Bobby Wagner right in the middle. And we just did sign uh, Dante Fowler, who obviously is not, you know, a premier edge rusher. But Dante Fowler is going to relieve some pressure that you lost with Randy Gregory. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. I think it's going to be come again to where did you guys even get any new corners or new secondary? Uh, we re-signed Malik Hooker. Um, I know they're they're in contract talks right now with uh, Jerron Curse, um, who I hope they really bring back. Uh, Curse wasn't a big name, but he just played phenomenal last season um, in his – to the only eyes, you know what I mean? Like his stats might not show it, but like watching the games, Carson was just great last year for us. Um, so I know they're looking to resign him. Um, or at least I hope they do. I really do hope we do. Um, you know, no new corners. Our corners were a very much of a struggle last year, very much of a struggle. Um, I mean, you're, you're on, yeah, your own bright spot was Trayvon Diggs with all them interceptions he was getting. Yeah. So we, that Cowboys team. I think is going to take a step back this season for sure. Um, we we got rid of a lot of now because there's there's always two sides. But we got we got rid of a lot a lot a lot of quality players, but we opened ourselves up from we were negative in the cap to when we cut everybody we were, I think we had the seventh most cap space. But the other side of that is that one you lost your quality players and two, the Cowboys have never been a team. That's aggressive in free agency. They just they, they don't they they'll sign a bunch of like lower lower tier players, but I couldn't tell you how many big name free agents have came out and said that they want to play for the Cowboys, and they just don't offer them contracts. Like, you know, I remember when that whole Earl Thomas thing happened. He said he wants to play for Dallas. He has went as far as to go into the locker room after the Seattle Dallas game and said, "I want to play with you guys." And what did Jerry Jones do? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> It's like people want to. People still want to play for Dallas because we're a huge market, but we just don't offer them contracts. I don't understand it. There, it uh, it's similar. I hate to say it, but it's similar to the Steelers with the Roonies. They mm-hmm. just won't go out. They won't be aggressive. They want to cheat contracts. Mm-hmm. And if we're being honest, I'm surprised they gave TJ what they gave him. Yeah, most surprised you guys signed Miles Jack. That was a great signing. Oh, that, I, I did not see that one coming. I just don't know if I just don't know if we should have got rid of Joe Schobert as soon as we did. Yeah, I, 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 I think now you're you're banking on Jack and and Bush to be your two your two sub linebackers, middle linebackers, and, and you know. I know we were talking about this, but the way they got that defense set up, even if you keep him, there's a scenario to where you can still have him in. You know, you got on your D line. If everything, if everyone comes back from last year, you got Hayward, Tyson Alualu, and Stefan Tuitt. You could easily move Tuitt to defensive tackle, 
move TJ down in rush three, and then you could have Jack, Bush, Schobert, and Highsmith run them four linebackers and then just have your DBs how you ever want to have them. Yep. Yep. But, um, okay, uh, we've been at this for a bit over an hour now. Um, I know i got some plans coming up here soon, so, you know, kind of wrap yeah. it up a little bit. Um, any yeah. final thoughts you want to give? I mean, it's just going to be – I feel this is probably one of the best free agencies in football, and this is going to be something interesting coming down to these NBA playoffs in the last, like, 10, 10 games coming up here. It's going to be very interesting for seeding. I think, I think professional sports right now are in a very, very good place. Um, the NBA is wide open. There's no heavy favorites in the NBA right now. Um, so I, I love that. I love not knowing every night which team's going to win. Um, and then going to the NFL, you know, as much as the Cowboys might have faltered, the league in general has been shaken up so much. It's going to be so much fun to see how it plays out. Oh, yeah, I can agree with that 100%. And I think uh, this coming NBA playoffs, there's going to be some lower seeds that make a little bit of noise, even though they possibly shouldn't be there. But you know yeah. what I mean? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be something. This is this is the year for lower seeds. Um, and we might just be saying that just because of Brooklyn alone. But still, you know what I mean? Like Brooklyn going in as a seven eight seed, and they could, they realistically could make the conference finals. You know what I mean? Um, uh, so it's it's like, gonna it's gonna depend. Yeah, for sure. It's gonna depend where they play if they have home court advantage compared to not having home court advantage with the whole mandate. But let's not get into that because we've been going on for longer than I thought we've been. But all right, well, um, so yeah, uh, that's it's been J and G Sports Network podcast. Another great episode, uh, from G J over here and G over there. Y'all have a good one. Yep, having a good one. Peace.